0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome to another awesome episode of Material Is Your Business on Mouth Media Network, recording here at Tex World from the Javits Center in New York. And for everyone who's really wondering now about this new movement around technical textiles and how to work with them and how to use them, that's great and we're going to talk about it, but it also matters even more to this company that it's customer-facing, that it's performance-enhancing, that people understand what it does for them. Today, we are here with Judy Russell. She is the global marketing strategist of Nelit Fibers, and the show starts right now.
1: Hi, I'm Judy Russell, Global Marketing Strategist for Nelit. And what I love about materials is I am addicted to fabrics. I love them.
2: From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez, International Consultant and Founder of Samantha's Platform. Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and Co-Founder of Queen of Raw. And Rob Sanchez, Business Strategist and COO of Open Source Business. And now... Here are your hosts.
0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Benedetto, and I'm joined by my co-host, Samantha Cortez. Hola. And Rob Sanchez. Hey, y'all. And we're here today with Judy Russell of NeLete Fibers. She's the global marketing strategist. Hi, Judy. It's great to have you. on Hi. AM. Thank you, happy to be here. We're really excited about everything that Nelite is doing with technical fibers, but I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do as an industry veteran.
1: Well, I started my career many years ago working for the DuPont company who actually invented nylon many, many years before Mm -hmm. I joined them. And nylon was the original synthetic silk. It first went into ladies hosiery, stock mm-hmm. silk, silk replacement stockings, caused riots in the stores because, of course, it was in short supply. And then a war broke out. And all the nylon was taken away and used for parachutes and other military materials. So women had to go without their nylon stockings for another several years. And then it came back. And ever since then, nylon has been a really, really important part of the textile world we live in. Uh, it's a specialty fiber. Nylon 66 is really silky, strong, soft, has beautiful visual, tactile aesthetics. And it's a little premium. It's a little more expensive than some other products like polyester and things like that so it's uh, it's really very um, it's got some unique benefits that are really special what we're trying to do is take it even a step further and elite we are taking nylon 6 which is the the basic fiber and uh, elevating it with some premium benefits like our breeze fiber has cooling heat thermal properties and, and many many others so what we're really doing is trying to take something that's great and make it even better and more special. And we are just launched a new brand that's called Senceal that is going to really take this messaging of premium and benefits downstream to consumers.
0: And we're excited to kind of talk about all those lines before we get into them. would love to know a little bit about how you got into this business first. What inspired you to start working in such an interesting, unique area? It's a good question. Um,
1: I, since I was a little girl, I loved fabrics, I loved sewing, I had a little toy sewing machine, I made clothes for my Barbie doll. I had an uncle in the textile business and he would bring me home swatches of fabrics and I would cut them and sew them into clothes. And one thing led to another and I just became more and more interested in it. And uh, when I graduated from college, uh, I actually, Applied several places for jobs and one of the companies I applied to was DuPont and I got hired actually into their IT department at first but eventually got transferred into the Fibers marketing area and uh, stayed there for about 10 years then I went on my own and started consulting doing strategic planning and marketing for many different companies in the industry and uh, fast forward you know a couple decades here I am so it's, it was really started out as being a, an interest of mine and just something I thought was really important and it morphed into a whole career and business model
0: for me. And what attracted you in particular then to Nelit of probably all the companies you were looking at and interviewing with? Well, Nelit has I've been working with them for the past
1: uh, two or three years. I uh, was contacted by a, co- a former colleague of mine from DuPont who was working for them in their uh, plant down in Martinsville, Virginia, and he, and he asked me if I was interested in coming on board and helping them with uh, developing some marketing strategies and, and becoming more market-driven. And uh, I agreed, and it's been, it's been really great because the company is small enough to be flexible and nimble and responsive, but big enough and expert enough at what they do to have, you know, to have a heritage in the industry and be well thought of and, and, and
0: implement change. I think that's exactly the quote or motto that you guys have on your website. It's something like no customer is too big, too small, or too far away. And it seems to be that's kind of what you just espoused. So
1: Yes, Nalit is really great at partnering and they've developed very strong relationships with their customers and to the point where when we see what's going on in the Industry in the apparel industry in retail, we realize that it's uh, it's really incumbent on a company like Nalit to really take those partnerships and help their customers succeed downstream, because it's a very difficult, very rapidly changing industry
3: right now. See that you're the marketing strategist of of an elite. and do you have any um, any approach? On to the marketing, or do you give advice for the people in the marketing, or what do you do exactly? Do you gear them to the direction that you have to take?
1: Well, to take- I help them uh, develop their regional strategies, their segment strategies, and really they know their business, so they know they know really where they want to be and what they want ultimately to become, so it's a matter of really helping formulate the path to get there. And Just the people to
3: target, or
1: yeah, the brands to target, the consumer segments to target, the, uh, the what products are have the most upward uh, trajectory potential, uh, where 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 is there a consumer need?
4: How much do you respond to what's happening in the marketplace, and how much are you trying to sh- shift the marketplace to where you want to go with the company?
1: Well. I am of the belief that you can't really change the marketplace because the consumer is driving what's happening and they're very powerful and companies that think well you know we can we can slow down this shift to uh, e-commerce we can sh- slow down the shift toward trying to reduce cost of goods sold that it's a foolish I believe attitude to take you can't you have to you have to figure out where the market's going to be and then figure out, what part of that you can participate in, what's consistent with your corporate mission, what's consistent with your business model.
0: But I would push that a little bit just because, you know. for example, when you think of nylon, we, we think of plastic, right, at, at some level and that's obviously from oil, and there's a lack of a sustainable benefit, and there's this whole movement now, right, in consciousness towards sustainability. But I see what you guys are doing with your marketing strategies and the where you're taking it and it, it, adding that kind of performance level approach and consumer-driven approach, you, you're moving them away from that conversation and towards this more sustainable vision and future, but without even saying the word necessarily. So is that part of kind of your strategy and where you guys have come in and how you've wanted to frame the conversation? Well, one approach to sustainability might be
1: that if you have a product that's longer lasting, greater longevity, isn't going to be worn twice and thrown in a landfill, that's a sustainability story. So if you've got a consumer who's really interested in, I want to invest in, some, in, my, in my clothing and wear it for a long time and have it really make my life better and really uh, allow me to do more. And, and get through the day from sunup to sundown without changing three times, without worrying about, I'm getting too hot, I'm getting too cold. So in a way, the performance aspects and the longevity and quality are in, of themselves sustainability stories.
4: Do you look at things like uh, stories about microbeading and things like that, Does, is there a difference in how you perform that allows you to also look at some of the current issues inside of sustainability?
1: Well, we have a whole team that's looking at sustainability right now and what and what the answer is and how to uh, how to be more sustainable. I mean, it is really not from the product standpoint alone, but from how do we behave on an everyday basis? Do we how wasteful are we? What kind of energy consumption do we use? What's our total carbon footprint? Do we how do we ship? How -hmm. do we package what kind of. Do we try to limit the use of paper in our in our marketing? Do we try to do more digitally? Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different aspects of it that we're currently looking at. You know, just recycled fiber is one way of doing it. Um, Maybe reducing waste, maybe more responsible use of the ingredients Mm -hmm. that are petroleum based.
0: And I love that. I think that was also when I was looking at your website, a big part of your your core mission. And it's always been from, as I understand, day one of the company, this social and environmental responsibility. But it's not just pushing this as a sustainable or recycled fiber. There's a lot more to it. Um, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the new lines that we've seen that you're working on and some of the really amazing effects that they have for the customer.
1: The new master brand that we just launched in Paris last week, Sunseal, is really the uh, is is the umbrella over all of Nulite's nylon six six four apparel. So quality, performance, benefits, fashion, style with with performance. We're we see that consumers these days are looking for multitasking apparel. It all started with the athleisure trend. You want something that you can wear for multiple purposes that can get you through more of the day. And we see that starting to really creep into other areas of our wardrobes where we want our jeans to also be um, antibacterial so we don't have to wash them as often. So we want our even dresses and travel clothes and, and, and work clothes to able to go through a bicycle ride on the way to work or come out of the suitcase without needing a, you know, pressing, which uses up energy and um, not needing dry cleaning. So we're seeing a, a consumer really demanding more performance and more multitasking ability out of the apparel. So we've developed some of the new um, yarns that you see on the website, like Freeze and Heat and Energy, all have sort of a benefits plus for consumers where it's performance but in a very very stylish fashionable way
0: and you guys can actually change the body temperature degrees up and down as i understand it i know rob you just finished a triathlon congratulations yeah wow congratulations (laughs) and i wonder in what you kind of wore when you were competing like how much that would be a benefit to have obviously that cooling effect and heating effect depending on the climate and the conditions obviously Where do you guys think that is going in the future with this athleisure trend right now? Obviously, um, is that growing? Is that where the business wants to continue to take it or are there new applications? Well, we're calling it not even athleisure anymore, but active
1: lifestyle, because we just think that consumers want to do more with less. They want to have less stuff and they want that stuff that they have. I'm super simplifying here, but Mm -hmm. that stuff has to do more. And help, and help make life better. So it's not just about aspirational acquisition and, and, and having a lot of things, but it's about investing in a core wardrobe that will do more. And uh, we're seeing, again, everything has to be comfortable because we got used to that when we wore yoga pants for the rest of the day. So everything has to be comfortable, that's a given. And then the more that it can do, breathe, wick moisture, you know, resist odor, resist soil, all of those things can uh, are, are added benefits. And if we are able to get those messages and communication and awareness of these products downstream to the consumer, we believe that, that we have a real story here. But the problem is that uh, a consumer is really not, ha- a- doesn't have
0: access to that information right now. And we, we will definitely have to get into that on the next segment. Let's take a break and we'll be back soon right after this on Material Is Your Business.
4: Hi, I'm Charles Beckwith. We appreciate you downloading this program every week, and I want to invite you to also listen to our other show, which I host, American Fashion Podcast, the number one fashion industry podcast. If you want to deep dive into what really makes the fashion industry work behind the scenes, listen to the show that Harper's Bazaar called for the true fashion nerd, American Fashion Podcast, every week on iTunes, Stitcher, and at AmericanFashionPodcast.com.
0: Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Judy Russell, the global marketing strategist for Neelite Fibers. And we were just talking on break a little bit about we're here at Tech's World. We're seeing incredible innovations at all these booths. And yet we know a majority of them are not going to get into retail or and are going to just be gone. And I wonder if you could touch a little bit on what you're seeing in the market right now and, and where it's going and how do we react to that as businesses?
1: The retail industry globally is undergoing the biggest disruption of the last 50 years. It is a marketplace in rapid transformation. We are, as consumers now, increasingly enabled by technology, by globalization, and we are shopping differently, we're behaving differently, we're living differently. How does this impact retail? Well. Obviously, we're all doing a lot more shopping online. We're using our smartphones to inform our shopping decisions before we even leave the house. So it's no longer we go into a mall and walk around and check out four or five stores and figure out what we want to buy. We know what we want. We've done the pre-shopping. So our shopping trips are more purposeful and they're shorter. And certainly, the mall developers and the retailers are seeing a dramatic drop in foot traffic in stores. Stores are closing. I think we're up to over 35,000 retail store closure announcements. And this is just the beginning of July. So then this is just the US. And not just tiny, small-based specialty stores. We're talking big, major retailers closing stores. Or in the ones that aren't closing, they're curtailing their square footage, so they're downsizing the size of their stores. This is major, and a lot of these retailers really don't know what to do. So what they do is they tell their suppliers that they've got to do things cheaper. They've got to cut costs. they got to come down in the in the cost of goods sold. And what does that come out of? It comes out of quality, and it comes out of workmanship, and it comes out of the materials. So it impacts the materials. If you walk around the mall and look in specialty apparel stores, you'll see a definite decrease in quality and interest level on the fabrics that they're using compared to five, 10 years ago. So consumer knows that. I mean, they don't really know why the, the garment doesn't look so good anymore, but they sense there's something a little bit not so as good about it. So interest but their price,
3: The prices are better for their pocket, so they just consider it as disposable clothing, not understanding the fact that it just goes to landfills later. In yeah. A
1: few weeks. yeah, I mean, I think what happens is if you see 40% off signs every single day of your life, eventually you become almost numb to it. It doesn't even make you buy anymore. So what it tells you is that it's not worth what the price tag said it is. Yeah. And so you have a younger consumer now, largely driven by millennials, who, who are very smart Uh, style conscious, savvy. They're very, they're digitally savvy. They're digital natives. The first place they go for information is their phone and they don't want to go in stores anymore because it's not compelling. It's
0: not interesting. It's not fun. It's not a great experience. So what does this mean for a business like Nelit and you being here? Why be here and what's the reach and what is the goal to be able to bridge that? Because obviously there's opportunity in downturn and where are you guys finding it?
1: The opportunity is with marketing downstream to influencers, to retailers, to bloggers, to consumers themselves, especially the highly engaged consumers. They want more information about where their clothing comes from, how it's made. There's a really interesting uh, brand, little t-shirt brand in the South that has QR codes on its hang tags where you can click on the QR code and see what field that cotton was grown in and who's the guy who who grew it and and ginned it I mean and it's and it's I mean it's little it's 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 a marketing strategy but it is really effective and consumers want to know they want to know they want to know what they're putting on their bodies just like they want to know what they're putting in their bodies there's a tremendous interest now in food in local consumption and just having more insight and i think we have an opportunity to tell a better story and educate not educate because again we have to talk about benefits not technical aspects but what is this fabric going to do for you why should you buy it and who's using it what other brands are using it and 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 then you know create a, a sort of a social a network of people that can talk to each other about materials.
4: Do you see this as the, um, the ingredients, the fibers themselves, have to become brands in their own right? Is that the movement of the future where I know that this is this brand and this brand and this brand makes up this other brand and then that becomes my shirt from this company? Or um, where going back to like Gore-Tex and stuff like that, I mean, they were kind of the shining example of somebody who did that very early on where okay, this has Gore-Tex. I'll buy it because it's higher quality. Do you see that as the future of fibers?
1: I think so because I think we're all very brand conscious. I think brands are a really easy, scalable way to communicate benefits. When you think of some of the best brands in the world, you don't even it, it, you don't even need words. You just close your eyes and you have a mental image and a feeling about quality about about uh, characteristics, that you're getting something that you can rely on, be confident in, and uh, it's not just a commodity. It's got something a little extra.
4: Is this a way to bridge the issue with look and feel being communicated online?
1: Well, I hadn't really thought of that, but that's a really good point. Yeah, I think so, because you can't try things on online. You can't feel a fabric, so maybe it is a shorthand way of saying, you're going to like this. That's a Hmm. really good point. Yeah.
0: And is there a strategy also there with uh, making both working on the fiber yourself as well as also having a finished good line that is potentially Nelit as well and obviously looking at both the fiber production and finished good production and, and building that brand?
1: I'm not sure that Nelit is thinking about forward integration as much as they no. are by helping their downstream customers and their customers' customers do a better job differentiating. If we all work together... And use sort of a, a get to a critical mass of being able to talk about a big collection up from multiple companies. Then I think we have a great story, and uh, and and I think that's really the direction that that we want to go in.
3: We've talked about um, fabrics and and in in the sportswear. We've talked about other other fabric companies um, that you've dealt with. What type of markets? Can you give us a snapshot of the markets that uh, Nalit Fibers? works with? The most
1: important markets for Nalite are the apparel segments that are really closest to the body because of the softness, the strength, the tactility, and the performance. So we're talking about hosiery, socks, two really important markets in the original markets for the company, intimate apparel, underwear, shapewear, bras, pants, men's underwear, really, really great markets for, for nylon for Sunseal, uh, activewear and activewear is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big area with lots of different cate- subcategories in it, but really like base, think about base layer, tights, leggings, uh, this, this stretchy next to body parts,
0: also outerwear. So jackets, um, And in the development and looking at these different apparel lines, how much a part of the process, I wonder, is you working on this kind of production, this new line with this great effect and then selling it to them? And how much is the brands coming in earlier to you and developing something with certain properties and customizing these textiles? Both
1: are really, really important. And the second part of what you said is increasingly the way we're working because without those partnerships and without that, that, getting closer to the consumer level it doesn't happen. it doesn't it doesn't uh, doesn't make it out into the market.
0: So circling back to where we were talking about storytelling and education, do you publicize the brands that you guys are working with and can I then go search and it says with elite fibers in this sports bra or, or something or is that kept confidential because we know sometimes in the industry they don't always people don't always want to disclose where something came from what it's made from or you know unless it's certified.
1: Yeah, it depends on the brand. I mean, some brands uh, have their own fabric, uh, fabric brands, fabric names that they that they use and that they market, and others want to tap into and leverage marketing that's already going on out there. So it, it, it will depend. And again, we're just getting started in the whole in the Sincere brand, but we've already got several very hot uh, next gen brands who are who are who have agreed to identify the fabric and talk about it in their in their marketing, in their product descriptions, and in their social media because oh. they feel like it'll help them connect with their, with their consumer customer.
4: So when, when Gore-Tex started out and other brands like that, they were looking at um, how do we make sure that the name Gore-Tex is attached because some brands may see that as a dilution of their brand. And so in, in many cases, they actually contractually obligated others to include the name Gore-Tex when they bought that fabric. Are you looking at doing that with Sincele? How do you actually approach getting the name attached to the clothing that's going out?
1: Well, well again, I think it's the close partnerships and working relationships that we have. If we look at it as a collaborative. Uh, it's got to be a win-win. It's, it's not going to be a legal uh, requirement. And mm-hmm. if it works for a brand to use the brand name, then they'll do it, and if not, you know hopefully we'll change their mind over time. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. I watched the process of the making of a fiber uh-huh. of a yarn mm-hmm. and when the mill it when the fiber came in it came in strands and they blended it into the the uh, into the thread. So when a consumer purchases something when the manufacturer purchases from you do they provide that fiber in different forms for those factories?
4: Are you chopping and spinning yourself and providing a finished yarn, or are you... So our
3: products are filament products. They're extruded
1: in a continuous filament, Mm -hmm. and then they're either knit straight and a flat yarn basis, a fully drawn yarn, or they're texturized, which means they run through a texturization machine that then kind of, think of it as sort of curling up the yarn a little bit so that it bulks up when it's knitted or woven. Mm
0: -hmm. They're different
1: You know, without getting too technical, there are different yarn processing um, procedures. But nylon, that elite nylon is primarily filament, so it doesn't get chopped up and spun into another yarn.
0: But that's really interesting. You address that sometimes there are certain considerations when you get to manufacturing the end good that you need to know and understand to because of certain behaviors and properties of the fiber and I know that you guys work all around the world are you seeing certain technical expertise coming up in certain parts of the world more than others because of interest and response and consumer behavior or is this just a global change shift that you're you're seeing different parts of the world are more advanced than others
1: in uh in their learning curve on how to and and it's just a matter of developing an expertise in a certain kind of fabric if you're making cotton t-shirts right. all right you probably wouldn't be the knitting fabric next to a, a, a machine knitting fabric for cotton t-shirts because there would be stuff flying around in the air and it would contaminate mm-hmm. and then affect your diability so there are a lot a lot of technical concerns and considerations when you're in textile production it's not it's not a any, something that anybody can get into that requires a learning curve and some expertise and some time and and some help. So, so we help the do, customers. You, you
0: do help the customer because then um, I wonder at that stage, like, do you have a network of who you technical technical have technical service right?
1: people who go, yeah, around and, and help and and even publish papers on best practices and how to do it and what temperatures to dye at and mm-hmm. what kinds of you know dye stuffs to use and how to knit and what.
0: Gauge machines and it's all way over my head, but but it's I can imagine important on a general respect. Like all these brands out there now want to be in this industry, want to be able to be consumer facing and show them they have this cool effect with these. But how often do you find they come to you with, like, a finished look and effect and that they want to achieve, and then you have to backpedal a little oh, bit? Oh, we love they, it when they do that. We love <laughs> what do it? you tell them? Because
1: then you know you have a market. If, if you've got a brand or a designer coming and saying, hey, I want to make this product, then it's, that's great. It's when they don't know what to do, and, and it's, it's a matter of putting your heads together and figuring out, okay what's next, what's the next,
0: what's the next thing going to be, but if there's already a pent-up demand, that's great. But is that, but in terms of where they are in the creative design process, is the goal to get them earlier on when they're ideating about this at first, or is it better for them to come to you and present the finished vision, and you try to work into it? Both,
1: both, it depends, and you know, it depends on if you're talking fashion or performance, I mean, sometimes you have, oh, I really wish I had a fabric that could chill beer, okay, well, (laughs) that might take us a few years, because we're not sure how to do that yet, but you know, but but if you just say, oh, I, I just need a fabric that's going to take color a certain way, then maybe we already have that expertise. It's just a
0: matter of applying it. Right. Makes sense. So in the future, do you see that the business wanting to stretch? Obviously, your expertise is in the fashion line, but do you see them looking across industries at future applications of where this could go? Sure. I mean, I think as many, even kind of what we consider to be
1: industrial or institutional markets become more consumer driven, become more market driven. Uh, I think we're going to see aesthetics style playing a bigger role in a lot of things. We're already seeing it. I mean, in electronics, just think about it. I mean, just look at what Apple did with just making everything so aesthetically pleasing, the right brain and the left brain coming together. They were pioneers in that. And I think it's going to impact. Everything, house design, appliances, everything is going to be affected, I think, by design.
0: Make it look good. That's a perfect time for a break. And then we'll be back with our final segment, Remnants, Fun Personal Questions, right after this.
4: Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion technology and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at mouthmedianetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show.
0: Guys, welcome back to Material is Your Business here with Judy Russell, the global marketing strategist for Nilit Fibers. And before we get to remnants, we were just having off Mike a, a great conversation around your title, global marketing strategist and having this global view and global message and what that means for Nilit as you're seeing certain behaviors in certain markets and how they impact each other because information obviously moves so fast and it ties into why you're here at text world and and communicating with us and what that means for your brand. Being global is a big advantage today and one of the
1: features of Nelit that I think is so interesting to its customers is that it has manufacturing in four different regions of the world. There's a plant in Israel, in US, in Brazil and in China. Customers and marketing teams in 70 different countries around the world. And whatever happens one place spreads like wildfire to every other place in the world. It is impossible to, to compartmentalize regionally any, any strategy. So any brand out there, and there are fashion brands out there who have a completely different positioning and strategy in one, one region of the world versus another. And they're gonna have a problem because the world, consumers are all talking to each other. They're communicating via social media they're watching youtube they're seeing ads from other parts of the world language isn't a barrier anymore and i think it, it's really important to look at everything on a holistic global viewpoint right now i spoke in, in paris last week at a seminar at the interfiliaire show where nalit introduced it's launched it did its global launch of sincere and i had and i counted people from seven different countries all over the world come up to me right afterward and say okay i want to know more about the multitasking clothing you were just talking about. I want to hear about Nalit Breeze and the cooling effect and how can I get that fabric for my brand in Sri Lanka or in Turkey or in Russia. And so it is no longer possible to localize what you do. On the other hand, the local attention and and uh, consideration of marketing, of culture, of style trends is also important so how do you balance those two it's really it's it's a it's a key question that i think every company is going to be facing in our industry and it's gonna be really interesting to watch the next few years on how we become even more of a global
0: marketplace yes okay to take it from global and get personal and local here it's time for
2: and now, and now it's, it's Remnants.
0: Remnants. So we're just going to ask some kind of personal fun questions to get to know you a little bit better. And who wants to go
3: first?
0: I Samantha.
3: So. <laughs> I haven't asked that many questions on the show, so I can ask you the personal one first. <laughs> so, the. I see that you've traveled. Um, I would imagine that you've traveled a lot with Malit and with DuPont. Um And all my other projects in between, (laughs) yes. Yes. So what is your best place to go? Why and? Two and a half years ago,
1: I traveled to Israel for the first time. And I've now been there seven times. And it's a beautiful country. If anybody's never been there, you need to go. It is absolutely stunning. The food is fantastic. The people are great. And it is a cradle of world history. So there's a lot to see there. Obviously, I'm working most of the time when I'm there, but I always try to take a day or two at the end of the trip and tour around and see some sights. I also really love going to Europe. I love Paris. I majored in French as an undergraduate in college, so it's great to practice my French and get that going, and after several days, it starts coming back to me, but I need more time there. So,
4: <laughs> <laughs> And Rob! I'd like to know a little bit more. You were mentioning that you had a toy sewing machine, like a small sewing machine that you made close. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering, what was your process for designing something new when you were a kid? And what was your favorite outfit that you ever created?
1: I had fashion magazines. And what I tried to do was to copy the designs in the magazines for the Barbie dolls, which, you know, with little fingers and... Very rudimentary sewing skills was not exactly possible, but I still have some of those uh, clothes that I made. My mom would not throw them out, and uh, we found them in the attic when we sold my parents' house. So my favorite outfit was a sheath dress that I made out of this uh, metallic, iridescent fabric that had snaps down the back and was very form-fitted, and then I made a little shawl to go over Barbie's shoulders. She looked really
3: great. <laughs> That's awesome. You must have been very advanced in sewing. At that age. <laughs> it It's pretty bad, but it, I thought it was great. And it, you know, it was
0: exciting. It was fun. So if you weren't working at Neelite right now, what would you be doing and why? Would you be a fashion designer?
1: No, I'm not creative enough to be a designer. Um, I... I think I would probably maybe have gone more into music. I played the piano, started playing the piano when I was seven. And uh, my husband and I actually met through music in high school. We were pianists, accompanists for our sister high schools in the same district in upstate New York. And uh, we now have two uh, grand pianos in our living room. And uh, we, uh, the whole family plays something. Two daughters are violinists and my son plays piano. So a lot of music in the house. Family of of musicians.
0: It's fun. (laughs) All kinds of music? Classical? Mostly classical. Mostly. Who's your favorite? Beethoven. Nice. (laughs) How can people connect with you and with the company? Where can they reach you?
1: Well, my email is judyr at nalit.com. And they can also look us up on the website and just email the general information email address and we'll get the we'll, we'll get the email and somebody will get back to them.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Thank Judy, you. for joining so us fun. here. Really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And for Samantha Cortez. Adios. And for Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Back soon on Material Is Your Business.
2: This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.
3: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.